Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Mental health is something that we talk about often here on the Adam and Jordana show. It is a very safe space for people to share, uh, to come together and to maybe even uh, get some assistance. So when I saw this piece in the New York Times this morning, I was actually shocked. I read that nine out of 10 people who attempt suicide and fail, so they, it, they don't go through with it, or somehow something goes wrong, do not eventually die by suicide. They go on to live healthy lives. And I thought, oh my gosh, there, how many more lives could be saved by preventing these suicides? And then, boy, how do we do that? Lots of questions for our next guest. Dr. Dan Reidenberg is with the National Council for Suicide Prevention. He is a special advisor to the International Association for Suicide Prevention and a consultant to the World Health Organization. We are so lucky to have him in our community and have him as a frequent guest on the show. Dan, we're so happy to have you back on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So this shocked me. Because I assumed if people attempt suicide, they really feel like this is something they want to do. They, you know, their problems are insurmountable. And and if they don't, let, let's say a suicide attempt fails or they survive somehow, um, that they would try it again because they're at the end of their rope and don't see a way out. But when I read that 90% of them go on to to not, you know, to to live normal, healthy lives – I was shocked. So talk to us about that stat. How is that? Well, it's an old stat, and it comes from very old data, but it still remains pretty true. If we can get somebody through a suicidal crisis, uh, whether that's just a serious thought or it is an actual attempt, we tend to find that they don't Uh, reattempt. They may have another thought about suicide, but most of the time, they go on and do exactly what you said. They go on to lead a normal, healthy, functioning life. So it is that moment of suicidal crisis that is the, the key where we have to really try to intervene and prevent a death. And how are we at doing that? I, but we've talked to you, like I said, Dan, we've talked to you several times, and obviously it's very troubling, the number of, of mm-hmm. suicides we still see. How good are we, uh, specifically in this country, at recognizing that and then doing something about it so it doesn't get to that point? Uh, Good question, complicated question. Uh, We are getting better at recognizing it, but we're still not very good at it. Uh, Here in this country or around the world, now we have seen increases in numbers of deaths by suicide in our country, whereas in some other countries, particularly in, in parts of Europe, uh, even in Japan, uh, we've seen decreases in suicides. But in terms of the recognition that somebody might be in a crisis, we are getting better at that. The big problem is is that we're not good at predicting who is going to die by suicide. We're actually pretty bad at that. But if we can identify some warning signs and some risk factors that we put together with conversations with those people, 
uh, we have a better chance at saving them. Before we talk about those risk factors, I want to go back to what you just said, that in the United States, suicide rates have risen, and they have, according to the Times, about 35% over the last 20 years. About 50,000 people annually are dying in the U.S. by suicide. But in other countries, in other you know wealthy countries, the suicide rate has been dropping steadily. So what is happening in the U.S. that's different than happening in other countries? So uh, interesting you asked that. Uh, the BBC just put out a story about that, uh, that they asked me the same question uh, that came out this morning. We have to, we have to parse apart, uh, the data apart just a little bit on that. In the United States, we have what's called the National Violent Death Reporting System, NVDRS. And we actually have it in Minnesota as well. Uh, almost all the states have that now. That gives us a little bit better data than other countries have. So when we when we look at some of the, the data and the statistics, it may be that we're collecting better data and we're doing it in a more consistent fashion in the United States, mm. which which sadly could mean that we're seeing that, that number go up. But in other countries, because they're not collecting it the same way, they may be seeing numbers staying stagnant or going down a little bit. It's, it's a lot in the reporting. But we do know that um, the challenges that we have in the United States around lack of access to care, uh, lack of access to hospital beds, cost of care, just the delay in getting into treatment creates problems. The biggest problem that we tend to focus on in the United States is access to firearms. Firearms is about 52% of all the deaths by suicide in this country. And it's, it's, it's like that in this country, no other place in the world. Uh, where firearms are more restricted, we see less deaths by suicide. It doesn't mean that there aren't deaths. It's just that when somebody uh, uses a firearm, it tends to be lethal, and it tends to happen very, very quickly versus some other methods of death. So there are a number of contributing factors to those numbers. But let me just add in one piece of good news. Uh, if we actually look at the data in Minnesota, in 2017, for example, uh, the rate of suicide in Minnesota was 13.8 per 100,000. That means we lost almost 14 per 100,000 people in this state. In 2021, it was 14.2. We didn't see a dramatic increase. If we go back mm -hmm. to 1950 in this state, in 1950, the rate was 11.8. So the difference is about three, the number three. So we have to be really, really uh, careful in how we think about rates versus numbers. The numbers are going up, the actual numbers of deaths, but the rate per 100,000 people has remained very stable actually over 100 years. We are talking to Dr. Dan Reidenberg with the uh, National Council for Suicide Prevention. You mentioned the firearms, and forgive me if uh, I'm springing this question on you, but it's top of mind right now with what we've seen. And Clearly, stories like this make the news where somebody who uh, maybe uh, wants to take their own life decides to commit violent acts and on others and maybe kills other people before they take their own lives. Can you tell me, Dan, is that something that is being researched, investigated as something as a different kind of mindset than sadly someone who is just in despair on their own and decides to take their own lives? but rather takes other, commits other acts of violence first. How much do we know about that, and how much is that being investigated? 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, it is It is studied. It is not studied uh, to the same degree that we have specifically around suicides the way we typically think of suicides because most of the suicides um, are not murder suicides. Uh, and when we do have those instances, it is tragically very similar to the recent one where it's a domestic violent incident where uh, a male partner takes the life of, of a female and possibly the children. That's a pretty small number um, not even 1% compared to all of the suicides that occur. So it is studied, but it's not studied to the same degree. Uh, we also have suicide by cop uh, that that is uh, a phenomenon that, that we do know happen. Again, it's very rare, but it does happen, and we're seeing that uh, in increasing rates, I would say, in the last 10 years, more than we have before. But uh, these are both situations where, um, the, the suicide ends up getting lost in the conversation and the, mm-hmm. the mental health challenge that the, that, that the many people involved, not just the, the perpetrator, but also the victims are struggling with, gets lost. You talked uh, a bit before about pre- prevention. I mean, is this something that is preventable? Because uh, I'm also reading in these studies that suicides often happen in a very short decision-making experience. Like somebody may be depressed or may have had suicidal thoughts, but doesn't actually ever act on those thoughts until either one bad day or one thing goes wrong in their life. And then it is a very, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dr. Reidenberg, but that, that they're just having a bad moment and they make that choice to commit suicide, whereas maybe had they gotten help. So talk to us about uh, prevention. What can we do? What, what should we be looking for? Well, you're exactly right. Uh, we do tend to know that uh, there is some impulsivity uh, that's connected with suicides. And about half of the people who die by suicide make the final decision to take their life within about 10 minutes. It's about 20 to 25% within five minutes. So this this 10-minute period is very, very critical because often the people are alone. There's nobody else around, and they don't reach out, not because they don't want to. It's because they literally can't. Their brain is um, sadly hyper-focused on getting out of the pain that it's in. So it doesn't think about calling a loved one and trying to get some support. It's just, how can I get out of this pain? So it's looking for a method to take their life. So we do know that um, if we could intervene more quickly in these crisis moments, we'd be better off. What that means is lethal means restriction. And this is where the, the article in the New York Times today about the barrier at the Golden Gate Bridge and some of the other bridges in this country come about. Because we know that if we can intervene, if we can stop in that moment of crisis, we have a very good chance of preventing a death. Now, this prevention uh, through lethal means is not just firearms. It is bridge barriers. It is barriers in high buildings, uh, parking facilities. 
it is pills and prescriptions and how prescriptions are given out by pharmacies and by doctors. It's also about things at home that parents can do and people can do, loved ones, spouses can do if they know somebody's in a suicidal crisis, just by mm. keeping that, that lethal means away from somebody in that moment of crisis, we tend to see that suicide is very preventable. Shock and that five to t- I'm, I'm still stunned by that figure, and I guess I've, I've never heard that before uh, about the five to ten minute window, and that is just yeah. Uh, I think about that decision you make and just how critical that is to to get somebody in that short uh, time frame. It is. It is. If we can, uh, the, the suicidal mind uh, waxes and wanes. And as it gets closer and closer to death, it gets to this place where it finally makes this very tragic decision. And it's that very short amount of time that we have an opportunity to get to somebody. And that means it's all of us. It's not a doctor. It's not an ER. Um, it is whoever is around that person who has access to that person that can help immediately. Uh, and once we get them through that crisis, this this suicidal mind tends to uh, get better. It tends to get through the moment, and it says, I, I can do this. I-, I can get through it the next time. And so it starts to build up some strength and some resiliency. Mm. It's just that we, 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 we tend to lose people um, on the very first attempt, uh, especially young people, uh, versus mm. seniors. Um, uh, well, uh, young people will attempt multiple times, but, but about 40% die in the first attempt. Uh, so we, we need to make sure that we catch them in this very critical moment and just listen, just be compassionate, and then get them to some support and some help. Dr. Dan Reidenberg, we so appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much. And by the way, uh, for people looking for help, should they contact the National Council for Suicide Prevention? Should they just do the, uh, the, fo- the, the three-digit phone line? What is the best option? Uh, yes, they, they can be touched the National Council, but really 988 is the, mm-hmm. the National Suicide uh, Crisis and Emotional Distress Line, and anybody can call it 24 hours a day. It's free. It's anonymous. And uh, it is a great service for anybody that's looking for help, uh, either themselves or for somebody else. So 988 is the perfect number for people to call. Dan, thank Dr. you so Reidenberg. much. Yeah, appreciate the time. And uh, thank you so much for that information. Lots to, uh, to digest here. We, we mm-hmm. appreciate it. Thank you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 